Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I am so excited today. I have a great friend on today, someone I've known for a while. His name is Dylan Freed. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm excited for you guys to hear his amazing story. He's an amazing individual who's overcome some things that you guys are going to be impressed with, but more importantly, how he lives his life today. And we'll get to that. But I also need to give a shout out to our sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you so much for believing in me and all the listeners. Uh, man, we're killing it right now. And, and thank you. Um, this is starting to blow up and it wouldn't happen if it wasn't for all the support. So thank you. And I'm excited. Um, I've had amazing guests on and this is no different today. And so Dylan, here we are. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to come see me. For sure. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. So let's, you know, um, Dylan, um, you know, he's a, he's a personal trainer currently. Um, he's done heli ski guiding. Um, he's worked, uh, with avalanche training. Um, he's a proficient skier, if that's a way to say it. I mean, he's passionate about when he puts his mind to anything, he does it. Uh, he lives life to the fullest and, uh, but there was a time where he struggled and that's when I met, uh, Dylan, we're here live at Wasatch recovery. That's when I first met Dylan, actually. This and is he, correct. He was yeah. actually here at Wasatch. <laughs> uh huh. Um, and that, how many years ago was that? That was uh, January 2014. So wow. five and something years ago. Five something years ago. So, yeah, uh, that's gone by fast. And and Dylan's been amazing ever since. Actually, I mean, he was amazing before, but I mean, <laughs> like amazing amazingly in this... angry and full of angst. <laughs> I would say absolutely. Um, so let's. Let's give a little background for our listeners. Give us, you know, where'd you grow up? A little bit about your family life. Yeah, so it was born and raised here in Salt Lake City. And, you know, it was a good upbringing. And I really fell in love with a lot of the outdoor pursuits around here, mm -hmm. like in the Wasatch and growing up climbing and skiing and fishing and all that kind of business. And that's kind of how I got into my ultimate profession and made the decisions when I was, you uh -huh. know, exposed to a lot of good mentors at a young age, right? like in the outdoor, uh, action sports industry, I guess that, uh, really made me want to pursue something with that instead of like a traditional education. And so right. I immersed myself more in like snow science and wilderness medicine than, you know, choosing to go to college. Right. I How? tried one semester of college Did you? just for an effort, but <laughs> yeah. there's still some things and I still fathom like, oh man, I really like learning still. I right. would go back to school someday, but after that it was like, all right, I can do this. And I was able to do those things and um, get into some pretty high level positions and professions at a very young age. So that was cool. Yeah. How, how young were you when you realized um, you kind of had this passion for... I mean, I guess, I don't know if this is a way to say it, more of the extreme stuff, you yeah. know, more adrenaline type things. How did how young were you when you realized that's kind of your personality? And Well, I had some very good mentors when I was, you know, in my early teens. Okay. And they were at the top level of their respective sports. And so it's like all of a sudden I was, you know, given this opportunity to learn from these people that had this experience and you know, admittedly, everybody, you know, in that uh, industry and doing those types of things, I think has their own baggage or whatever you want to call it. They have their own reasons for yeah. doing what they do. 
And that was something that, you know, we'll talk about a little bit later, but it's, it's certainly something that like when you're doing these things and you're pursuing these extreme things where there are, you know, catastrophic consequences of death and um, just finding some level of enjoyment <laughs> at the lower level or the lower end of the spectrum of experience right. wasn't really something that I got from <laughs> from them, right. I'd say. Okay. It was like, you know, if you're going to do something, you do it all the way. Right. Which is something that I still continue to, you know, is a huge part of like all spectrums of personality and behavior and right. any activity you do, but specifically with like addiction and things, it's like if you're all or nothing something, then if it's a bad thing or can have some bad consequences, exactly. you need to reel it in. Yeah, that's a great point. I, th you know, that all or nothing mentality of which, you know, you and I hang out around a lot of people who have that kind of personality where if you're if it's going in a good direction it's wonderful right but if it's in doing something negative like you know drugs or alcohol boy you're all in there man that's you know you're 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 lucky to i guess be alive yeah and, and know, when it's something that that's supposed to you know where all things that we do and our you know our privilege lies we choose to recreate or experience these things um in our existence and it's like if you can't just do it at a low level and enjoy it it's like something's wrong. <laughs> right. But I think that's, yeah. you know, a fascinating thing when you look at like very, um, very accomplished athletes or, you know, even people perhaps like in a educational realm or a scientific realm. It's like if they're that good at something, they probably lack in other areas of their life. Right. And that's not a judgment. Like those people are there and they exist. And I think it's great. And yeah. it's something that I think is just, uh, you know, something that I'm certainly aware of in my life, even to this day, right. it's like with exercise, with nutrition, with whatever it is, right. it's like, I don't, you can't just do that one thing and be so involved in that and then allow other areas of your life to lack. And, right. you know, that's there's something point. to be said for balance and you yeah. know, a level head through all of it, I think. No, that's a great point. Well, so you had these mentors growing up who were kind of showing the ropes they're at the top of their professions. Talk about that and what that led to you. You know, like you said, you got to do some things at a very young age that most kids don't do. Yeah, it's like I was had these mentors and it was like they're very good alpine climbers and skiers and all different levels of professionalism. It's like professional shooters and things when I was into competing uh -huh. and shooting firearms and stuff. It was like all these people I was exposed to, which is, you know, a huge gift. And it was like... I was just accelerated into this, you know, very, very clear path for me at the time. Like, this is what I want to do. Right. And this is how I find enjoyment. And um, it was very good in a lot of ways. And I just wanted to do those things while I was young and had the ability. And my knees were healthy and my body right. was healthy <laughs> to pursue those things. And so... I was uh, exposed to those people and started guiding and grew up in families that owned operations and things. So I could go and guide like river trips and things like that in the Grand Canyon and learn like as a, you know, as the kind of the training guide, right. how to be around people, how to, you know, socialize with people, which were all very, um, very good attributes to, you know, my ultimate end of being a guide it's like you need to know how to make anybody your friend you need to know how right. to 
find out if somebody's really scared. You need to read the subconscious cues yeah. because all those things go into like how you ultimately make decisions. And when you're making those kinds of decisions, you know, as a guide in the mountains, it's like, it's super important. It's like, Oh yeah. Um, you know, I can't, their life is in your hands. Their life is in your hands and your life is in their hands too, because you know, a lot of times they're your ultimate resource for safety or, you know, rescue. So it's like, we're all in this thing together. If we're all on this trip or this expedition or this ski run together, it's like, you're all equally invested in each other's safety. And so that was a very good thing for me. And it was like, I got these opportunities to work and learn from those folks and then, you know, go out on my own and do my own thing. And, um, you know, the first big like thing that I did was, uh, I started like guiding whitewater rafting and fly fishing in Montana. Okay. And that was very good, a good summertime gig and uh, very cool place to do it. And then ultimately like a bit more ski guiding here in the Wasatch and then met, um, owners of a heli ski company and was offered a position as a heli ski guide in Alaska when I was 19 years old. Wow. And so were you I like was, just stoked when he, when Oh yeah. You, of course. Just like, Are you kidding me? I was like, yeah, I've never been heli skiing. Um, <laughs> but I can like, I know how to follow direction. I'll figure it out. Yeah. Be safe around helicopters. And <laughs> ultimately, you know, it's, you know, it's not like it's some, uh, you know, it's not generally a safe profession. Right. at all right and uh you have to you're quite you know different operations are different but you know when you're in a position where you're guiding this operation it's like you're making all the decisions on where to ski based on your clients abilities and then the snowpack weather and terrain that right. allows you to go through those areas safely and yeah it's like it's on the fly decision making i mean you have a plan you know the areas that you're concerned about but Still, when you have the ability of a helicopter and a pilot and you just point and tell them where you want to go, it's like, it's really like zero to 60 exposure, like zero to 60 mile per hour exposure very quick. Yeah. And so that was an extremely, you know, valuable experience to me. I learned a lot and it's, it's amazing and it's different than a lot of the other kind of skiing that I'd done in the mountains where you hike up every, you know, thing that you ski. And so you have time to think about what right. you're going to ski and yeah. ability to assess the snowpack and look at which, you know, run you want to ski and how you're going to ski it and plan it out. And so that was a, you know, literally a, you know, whatever you want to call it, a baptism by fire or something, but yeah. extremely valuable experience. And then even more exposure to, you know, guides that have been there 10, 15 years right. and doing it, you know, before they had helicopters and sure when they were using planes and stuff and it's like (laughs) it's pretty amazing to uh you know to get the amount of exposure to that much experience because you take it all in but still it's like i'm a teenager you know i'm angsty and yeah think that i'm younger and better and i can ski better than all the old guys and you know all that stuff it's just like the attitude that i have looking back on it now well i'm glad you say that because people who know you i mean obviously i've known you for several years now i mean you're a very confident person right (laughs) very confident and 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 i love that about you um growing up did you did you kind of have that same kind of confidence as a young kid too like before you got those mentors in your life or did the mentors kind of teach you to believe in yourself and have confidence in what you do or did you 
were you already kind of in that mindset? I feel like I was, you know, I was fairly confident and I'd always been fairly gifted naturally, like athletically. And so I picked things up quite quickly. And so I felt like I kind of skipped a few stages, skipped ahead past where the healthy level of confidence is okay, and went straight to elitism. Okay. And that's where some I've of the that angst. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's where some of the angst and uh, like the misplaced confidence, maybe a little bit better, um, to say. better way. Right. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that, I, you know, there's a lot of things that I think I skipped through in those younger years that is not necessary. I mean, I think this is a, you know, an overarching theme of a lot of my experiences is that I try not to like put a lot of, you can call it power, you can call it whatever you want, but when you say something is like good or bad, it's like, you're giving it power and I think everything just kind of is and you okay. choose what yeah. like, okay, those experiences and those influences with those mentors, like I got all this and that's great. But like the elitism and then skipping some developmental stages of my childhood and yeah. all those things, that's bad. And same thing with alcohol and drugs. It's like, I don't demonize every friend or experience that I ever had while drinking. Those sure. are still some of my best friends. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, that I have to this day and they Love continue it. to, you know, be that way for me. So that's like, I can't put these giant labels that negate like all the little intricacies of, you know, existence in your life. It's like, it's really important to be able to choose, you know, what's, you know, what's right, what that taught you. Cause even, you know, the hardest experiences is in your life. It's like, you call that bad or you can understand that that's when you learn the most. Wow. That's very well said, Dylan. I couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of our listeners, you know, a, a bulk of them have gone through really challenging times. So I'm glad you said that. I think looking at it that way versus it was such a horrible thing, which keeps us kind of in that victim stance and we don't grow. We're kind of stuck. So I love that you said that, that, and I, and I've seen that in you. I've been around you enough to see that you, you do look at everything as this is good in the sense that I'm learning from this difficult situation I'm, that I'm in right now. Yeah. I think it's, you know, and I, you know, I can equate a lot of those things and I always make these, um, you know, these, uh, parallels within the gym. It's like, you don't get right. stronger from doing easy stuff. <laughs> right. It's like yeah. it, you get stronger and the real changes happen when it's hard and there's obviously appropriate levels of hard and it needs to be healthy, especially in the gym. But yeah, it's just, it's, that's when, you know, you make the most gain benefit, whatever you want to call it is, you know, from the difficult things. If you, you know, recover well from those hard activities and things in the gym, then you ultimately grow. And that's the same thing with quote unquote recovery in this whole thing. Exactly. It's like if you recover well from this difficult experience, you're far better off from it. For sure. Like you're not just back to like normal. Yeah. I think that, you know, not comparing yourself to other people, because that's another way that I think, unfortunately, the sobriety community can become this own form of its like elitism, like we're better than these people. We're better than the people right. who drink or do drugs. It's like, no, you're just better than you were when you were drinking or doing <laughs> drugs. Yeah. 
And that's the way it's like, you hope to recover and the same thing in the gym. It's like, you're trying to like, it's about getting to a place that you haven't been before. And it's a constant path. And yeah, there's going to be ups and downs and things like that. But ultimately it's about, you know, where you get and where you came from and what you learn about yourself and acknowledge that you're never going to stop learning. Yeah. So beautifully said. Thank you, Dylan. Um, so you, so you're doing the heli ski guide thing. I mean, it's intense. Like you're just talking about how, I mean, there's a lot going on. You got to work as a team because everyone's life is in everyone's hands. Is this when, I mean, cause obviously I, you had an, uh, an issue with addiction. Did, did drinking or using or anything like that, did that happen at about that time or had you had already been kind of involved in that? And so kind of let our listeners know when that kind of evolved in your, in your up, you know? Yeah. Well, when I was life. young and in teenage years and things like that through high school, you know, people obviously drink and party and do drugs and, you know, my elitism that had formed from other things was like, all right, well, I'm not going to do any of that because this is super important to me. My fitness is really important to me. I want to go skiing on the weekends. I don't want to be hung over. Like these are my opportunities. I have to go to school. I like school, right? but you know, I'd go to parties and not drink or not party really at all. And it was like, it was more important for me to, you know, be out, you know, in the woods or whatever the next day Mm -hmm. uh, or the weekend. And so I didn't drink at all, you know, growing up really. And then, once I got into that, um, guiding profession, it was like, you're guiding year round. And it's just one of those things. It's like, you know, you ski hard and party harder. And so I started to drink and it was like, okay, this is fun and this is cool. And hangovers don't hurt when you're 18 years old or 19 years old. And so it was like, you could drink really hard and keep up with the old people. And, Uh you know, it's, for sure it's a you know the drug does something to allow you to you know lowering your inhibitions being more comfortable being more social and so that was you know a thing for me where it was like you know that allowed me to probably be a little bit more personable and right so that worked out in ways and um you know it was whatever a sustainable lifestyle for a long enough time but then it just after five, six years of it, it was like, you know, shit goes downhill. Right. Yeah. No. Um, did you, I, I know a lot of times when you were doing the heli ski guide, you, you had some high level clients and you, and you, you were all over the world doing this by the way. Yeah. I, think, was, I don't know if you mentioned that. Yeah. I was in Alaska and then ultimately I got a job guiding in New Zealand. So like, right. you know, I was doing it semi year round for, several years yeah and i would imagine part of that you know you're, you're doing this guide but then you're you're entertaining this group that's coming with you and i would imagine a lot of that's revolved around drinking yeah it's like everybody's on vacation yeah they're they having wanna, a good time and you have these adrenaline experiences and you want to decompress and people have a lot of money and they want to buy you drinks and yeah. you know you're making money and you're <laughs> making money doing something you love and so it's like I'm sure I'll spend money on booze exactly right so yeah. it's like it's a um it's something that just you know they they nest quite well together not that it's not completely like sustainable without alcohol or drugs it's probably yeah. a lot lot better and I've done that in the past and like had periods of all right I'm going to be like I'm not going to drink at all this heli ski season and then 
don't drink for two months and right it's far better right <laughs> you, know, you make better decisions <laughs> yeah and uh you know alcohol impairs brain function whether you want to whether you're drunk or not it's like if you're hung over you got a headache it's like you're not making the same appropriate decisions exactly, that yeah. you could be if you were you know sober and got a good night's sleep and so right there's a lot of things it's still you know it's all science for sure well let's talk about let's jump ahead a little bit now you know you you you're living this kind of a you know a party life but also kind of uh you know, you're doing something you love at such a young age. Let's talk about how this kind of led to where you, things got out of control for you, um, you know, with the drinking and things like that. Let's talk about that part. Yeah, there just became, like, I think a lot of it was both, like, the a lot of attitude around, you know, my abilities and as I got better and better at the job or as a skier, I thought that I was better or deserved more better clients and I was always frustrated with it. And at the time it was like I was also getting, you know, sponsorships and things from other companies to go do these other trips around the world and go to countries like Iran and Azerbaijan and Iceland and ski these things and have right. magazine articles. So there's like all this stuff and you're recognized for it and you just, you know, you grow, I believe what is a false sense of, you know, like, uh, I'm better than these other people because I'm well known or something. Right. It's like, it's not, you know, real at all. And it's that coupled with the fact that, you know, drinky just continued. It was like, I'm not, you know, it's something that, I've addressed a lot. It's like, I'm not good at not redlining on things. It's like, if I'm skiing, if it wasn't like the raddest line, with the raddest clients with the best snow skiing as fast as I could, right? Like it wasn't fun. It just had to be to the edge. Yeah. So it was the same way with drinking, like party as hard as you can. Yeah. And you know, for what? Right. And you know, it was one of those things with, the you know the skiing as well it's like to what end like are you really enjoying yourself or are you just trying to like kill yourself but as long as it's doing it something that you claim you love it's okay right which is like weird because i think that i've you know addressed things within myself that there's a lot of things that i was doing just self-destruction around every corner right. like whether it was alcohol or it was skiing it was just wasn't happy with myself and so those things just like came to a head on multiple occasions with operations or owners. And, you know, it was like, all right, well, we can't invite you back if your attitude is going to be this way or right. you're going to drink this heavy. And it's like, it's not appropriate. Right. And I was just like, well, there's no reason to wake up in the morning if and have a guide meeting if it's, you know, we partied hard last night. We're not going to ski today. The weather's bad. It's like. I just thought that I was above and beyond everybody that I worked with. Yeah. And it's just not healthy. Yeah. Talk about how that led to just a big problem in your life, just with that type of mentality. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, if you're just consistently unhappy with doing pretty much the best job in the world or what everybody tells you, it's mm -hmm. like, everybody tells you you're living this dream. And I would always have this famous comeback of like, wake up from your nightmare then. And like, I thought that was cool to tell people that mm. they're living the nightmare. I'm living the dream and I'm better than them. 
but it's just like it's this it's this like self-governing theme that if you tell yourself you can't be happy doing these things unless you have this then of course you're not going to be happy right and even though like you if you can't go and ski like the best mountains in the world with a helicopter and not like be giggling then you probably shouldn't be doing it. It's right. like, yeah. I just wasn't ever happy unless I was just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. Yeah. And so to substitute all that, it was like alcohol, you know, yeah. it's like you're bored. So you drink or right. whatever. It's like, whatever, these clients are going to buy me a crab dinner and I'm going to drink, you know, 17 whiskey drinks and do yeah. it all again tomorrow. And it's yeah. like, at least I can do that. But those kinds of things just, you know, ultimately there comes to, either there's going to be like a tragic, you know, confluence of like all those things or there, you know, if you're given the ability to like have something that makes you change, right. That's the biggest thing. And, you know, I have a lot of friends that are dead now in the mountains, you know, that are were guides or pilots and things. And it's just like, I think that I know most of them, they were like doing things for the right reason. And I don't think I was doing things for the right reason. Like uh, there was a lot of my quote unquote confidence was based upon what others, people's opinions of me were. And the fact that people told me I was rad was more important than me, like just doing it and enjoying it for the right reasons and that didn't give me the same sense of, right. you know, happiness. Yeah. Wow. And I don't think I ever found that, like, doing those things. Yeah. So it was just, you know, <laughs> it was just self-destruction in a very strange form, like doing one of the coolest things out there. Yeah, right. Yeah. So how long did that last for, how long did you do that? That career, you know, in that profession, like seven-ish years, something like that, gotcha. pretty high level. Yeah. So what, let's talk about, so when I, because I, when I first met you, you were here, you were at Wasatch Recovery, mm-hmm. and um, like we said, that was about five-ish years ago. Yeah. And let's talk about what led up to that and how you even found this place and why at that point were you trying to find help because you even said it like you you kind of had this elitist mentality like i can do anything i can handle anything i don't need help kind of thing so how did you get to that place yeah it was like i you know i had like i think a lot of people had had several periods of you know self um uh self-determined sobriety and it was just this thing that like oh okay i can do this profession i can control all these things I can make to like very good decisions based upon mm-hmm. how I'm, you know, going to choose to take these clients through the most dangerous mountains, you know, that could be out there and make these appropriate decisions to ski these things. And, but like I could control all those facets of this or in the gym, I could con- like control all these things yeah. and make this stuff happen within myself and my body to make these improvements. And then, outside of the gym it's like with alcohol in particular it's like i could stop but whenever you'd start again like there was no middle road right it was always just like get pushed 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 to the end moderation was never an option (laughs) so with enough of those you know ups and downs and ups and downs and then moving out of that profession and then moving more into a gym thing it was like 
finally there's, you know, a confrontation where you're like given the opportunity and given the fact that there was enough people around me who cared about me that like I would listen to, they were like, this is what you need to do. And finally I was just like, okay, fine, let's do it. Like I kind of like an intervention almost. Yeah. In some ways. And I think that that kind of, when you're just like down so far that you're vulnerable enough mm-hmm. in some yeah. ways right? and you see that there's other people around you that care more about you than you care about yourself. It's a pretty amazing feeling if you have the ability to feel it. And if it's laid out for you, and I, I know a lot of people don't have that, you know, don't have that opportunity and they don't have those people in their lives, but extremely valuable to be able to get that and have that feeling. And then it's like, okay, this is what you're going to do. Right. And you just got to choose where to go. (laughs) And so it's like (laughs) you go to uni and you know, it's a detox center if anybody's unfamiliar with that, but you know, I'm just, you know, the elitism is still in full force. Like, okay, I'm going to do this but I've stopped. I can do this. Like, I'm not going to die from a seizure. Right. It's like, why are they not letting me like walk down the stairs? I got to take an elevator and they're putting me on all these drugs and I have all these night sweats and they won't let me work out. And it's just like, what is this? Like, how can right. I never knew this was such a thing. And there's heroin addicts that come in and they're just full of track marks and they're like in and out in three days. And I'm there for 10 days or something detoxing. Yeah. And I was just like, this is like, what's crazy. Yeah. But ultimately it's like, I met, you know, an owner here, Mark and talked to him and, and I had a family member that had come and checked out the facility and they really liked it. And then he told me that they go to the gym five days a week. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I'm coming to see you. That's the reason. There yeah. That was one of the main reasons for sure. You know, and the proximity to the mountains was good too. So I right. could stare up at the mountains. Yeah, I just stare at them. Yeah. And so then it, you know, it worked out. But, you know, when I first came here, it was like, I, you, you know, I, I got to tell you a funny story. Yeah. Um, you, you won't remember this, but I was, <laughs> I remember pulling into the property here at Wasatch. It was, it, it, the sun was shining, this and that. And I look over just to my right, and there you are. You've got your shirt off and you're doing a kettlebell workout. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, you know, if, if you guys have never seen Dylan, um, he's very built. And uh, I wasn't I was, so built then, though. But you still were, though. Yeah. I mean, c- compared to maybe what you were used to. But right. when I looked over, I was like, who is that dude? This ripped <laughs> dude. I'm like, oh, he must. Up. Yeah. But, His brain's uh, all th- ripped up. But that was one of the first times I e- had ever seen you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but that was probably after we had already been at the gym for two hours. Maybe. Then I'd come home and do kettlebell stuff for yeah. another hour. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, we'll talk more about that. But I used exercise as a form of, like, self-flagellation. Right. You know, where, you know, to, you know, previously, just unhealthy levels. I was like, okay, I can't drink so i'm just gonna train real real hard and not eat anything and i want to get better at this and it's just like you know exercise is about health and it's not about (laughs) suffering and if you're doing it for the wrong reasons it's not a healthy thing in any way shape or form and so you know when i came here a lot of the things i was like you know 
I got this. I can easily maintain sobriety. Like this isn't hard at all. I can do this stuff. And I told, you know, residents here and therapists here, I was like, yeah, I'll be out of here in 30 days. Right. And I didn't even really like get started working on myself until day 40, I think. Right. It's like I was so resistant to so many things, (laughs) so much input and so many ideas and just being insecure about like any feedback. Right. And so, you know, I just resisted, resisted, resisted because that's what I knew how to do. Right. Yeah. You know, and I wasn't going to allow anybody in or be vulnerable or any of that type of thing because it was like, this is about stopping drinking. I've done that before. I can do that Yeah. when really it is, you know, this is not about alcohol and drug abuse. Like it's about self abuse Yeah. and it's like you remove all those other external things and then perhaps you have the clarity to then work on the things that are there and right. what's left and what you can rebuild and how you can address those things. And it's about like self love and right. the ability to recognize yourself and then like move forward and gain the confidence to then make appropriate decisions about how you want to treat yourself. Right. And ultimately that leads to, you know, treating other people well and it's making the world a better place. Well, my experience with you is you, yeah, you were very resistant when you were here, but not the whole time, especially in the beginning, but you got to a point where you became very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about that moment when you decided, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to share some things that I've, I haven't shared with probably hardly anybody at this point. Yeah. I mean, there was things that if you're okay talking about it now. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) There was things that I talked about, like just in private with, you know, with therapists and things. And I talked to them about like my sexuality and I told them like, okay, well I'm bisexual and I don't want to tell anybody in the house. I don't want, you know, these people come and go and I'm never going to see these people and they don't deserve, you know, to know that about information. Right which is a very strange thing to think. And, um, so there had always been, you know, several good friends within the house. And at that stage there was, you know, a nice, very, very nice, sweet, older Mormon lady who was, um, the wife of the patriarch of the church, the Mormon church, if you're unaware of that, but she was great. And she had obviously been dealing with her own stuff, but she was about to leave. And so, you know, the main therapist here was giving her, you know, right. some difficult things to try to make her more, more vulnerable. Right. And she just finally one evening, like one afternoon just said, well, why doesn't Dylan have to be vulnerable? And finally I was just like, okay, screw it. Like I'm going to say it. And so almost just, like it was a challenge. Like it was a challenge. It was yeah. like, it, probably exactly what I needed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and then I just like stared at the fo- yeah. floor and flexed my muscles and told the whole group that I'm bisexual and I've never really told anybody. And I just waited for, you know, whatever they were going to say. I was ready for somebody to like get, creeped out about it or want to fight me about it or, or something because that's you know, rude about it or yeah, yeah that's the way that my brain goes it's like when you're afraid of something you get angry and if i'm a physical person like still to this day i you know i if i'm out on a date with a dude or something and i see somebody giving me a weird look or a hard time i'm, I'm like inside myself i'm like man i hope they come up and say something or push me And that's all that, you know, reveals to me now is that I'm still insecure in some ways. Right. It's not, you know, an appropriate expression of fear in any way, shape or form. But 
like with everything in this whole thought process and growth stage, which I call life, it's like you just need to look at the ways that your brain, like how your brain is communicating with you and then see why is it telling you that being vulnerable within yourself to then recognize, okay, this is what it is. It's really my insecurity and I need to address that. Right. It's like, that's what it's all about. So when I told the group that it was like, first thing Mormon lady got up and hugged me (laughs) and she started crying and then it opened up a whole bunch of other things within the process group itself. It was like, you know, then, you know, a guy who had been an army ranger in Iraq and Afghanistan told us that he had accidentally shot a small child and was feeling like that was one of the guilt things that he had based upon his experience. And it was like, wow, okay, I'm thinking about these things and he's dealing with that. It's like, this is not on the same level. Right. So for that whole stage, both like my own uh, willingness to be vulnerable and then seeing other people that were willing to be vulnerable and also recognizing that because of my self-centeredness and because of my superficial confidence claiming that I didn't care what other people think, it was really the fact that I saw other people's validation, acceptance of me far superior to my own acceptance of me, which like you feel that love and it's like, okay, you feel that acceptance and then that helps you. So uh, the same thing that I think keep talking about, it's like the good, the bad, like the self-centeredness, like self-centeredness can really be a good thing when you need to be selfish and work on yourself. Yeah. And if you are, fairly shallow and you care what other people think. And like I did where I valued other people's acceptance of me, like that helped me to then accept myself. And so there's a lot of ways, you know, where these behavioral attributes I think can help you really grow and they're not like good or bad. It's like it all just is. And it's all about how you interpret those things and process those things that allows you to then grow. Yeah. Well, I, I and I would just add the way I, I I just think everything's eventually good. Yeah. Because for sure. If you learn from it, and I love that you said what you said, Dylan, because that vulnerability piece, you know, here you are being vulnerable about something in front of a group of people, strangers um to a certain extent, and you share something really personal. And I love what you said is like it almost opened up like, okay, if Dylan's doing this, I'm going to share this. And, yeah. and then you had someone share this. And and I'll, I'll never forget that group. That that group was this solid knit. It was as if you guys had come together all of a sudden. Yeah. And you had each other's backs. You loved each other for just who you are. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you believe or how you live your life. We're in this together kind of thing. Yeah. And it was really thing. beautiful like, to watch. But then you, you know, you if you're that close, then you know other people's thing. Right. So then you can call them out on some of their, you know, their stuff. And it's very, you know, that's a positive thing. And I don't believe that there are many, if any friendships or like, you know, kind of arrangements like that on the outside world. And I think that's unfortunate. And that's something that, you know, this experience has given me a much greater insight to then help other people. Not right. that I'm this some evolve like whatever Zen being by any means. I still acknowledge I have a lot of 
progress to make in my own life, but it's like, ha- like it really helps me in those process type groups to put myself again, like because I'm self-centered, I can put myself yeah. in their position and think about how that would affect me or how I would yeah. make decisions or what I would do in that circumstance and giving other people feedback and perspective you know in a completely honest way not telling them this is the way and this is what you have to do but just telling them your insight and your insight on what you hear them say like repeat it back to them yeah and that does a lot i think for sure so it's all very very you know enlightening i think no i love that um you know so now you know we're going to jump ahead just a little bit here um you so you're a personal trainer you're you're passionate about exercise and diet and taking care of your body and like you mentioned even earlier there's unhealthy ways to do this and there's healthy ways to do this mm-hmm. and you know something that you're really really good at as well um people who i know have trained with you i mean they're just like man this guy knows so much you're so well educated around it let's talk about that and kind of what you're doing now and kind of your philosophy around, you know, I guess the exercise community. Yeah. I mean, I'll start it off by saying some of the most unhealthy people I've ever met have six packs and it's not like, um, you know, the appearance of physical fitness is very different than actual like physical capability. Right. And along the same lines, like it's, you know, in my profession, it's people say, you know, I have a personal trainer and I do these things and everybody's like, wow, that's great. That's awesome that you're like taking that. But people don't talk about the fact that they have a therapist, right? like still to this day. And I I know we're all growing, but nobody talks about the fact that they have a life coach or that they go meditate or that they have a therapist or they belong to a, you know, some kind of recovery system. It's like, it's this frowned upon thing. And even saying like, Oh yeah, I've been to rehab still has these things. Everybody wants to know like, Oh my, what, whoa, what drug were you into? And like, did you almost die or like what happened? And it's just, you know, it's just this mentality and we all, you know, our society and our existence is also surface that it's not okay to, you know, it's cool to go to the gym all the time, but if you go to a therapist, you're, you must be really messed up and you must have been abused as a child and right. you must have some compulsion disorder and yeah. you must be on a lot of pills. And, you know, I think it's, it's something to be said for, you know, physical wellness is directly, you know, related to mental right. wellness Sure. and exercise can be like everything, a good thing, you know, a bad thing, but it's all about how you use it yeah. and you can't use it as something that creates this, you know, self self-inflicted suffering or you're not worthy and you have to do this and you need to punish yourself. But at the same time for me, you know, there's times when like I'm really stressed out and I need to quiet my mind. By focusing on, you know, just some squats or some rowing. Right. And if it's hard enough, then that's all you can think about. And that's a good process. And it's a form of meditation. It may not be, you know, as beneficial as just like, you know, stagnant meditation in any way, shape or form. But I think that's Mm -hmm. very important. And when you're actually testing like your capacity to do things, like you really know where you stand and you have to open yourself up to know that like, this is where I am and this is where I want to be. And 
it's all science. Like there's a way to get there. Right. There's certain limits for sure. But understanding that there's a way to go about it in a healthy manner is super important. So I think for me, it's very uh, important to know a person quite well who I'm training and understand why they want to be there, what they want to do. They see me and they think, oh, like, you know, your initial impression is like, oh, that guy just wants to make me put on muscle or something where most of the people that I train are endurance athletes and recreational levels. It's not like they're all professional athletes or something. It's like, I just want to give them, um, you know, a base level of strength and physical preparedness to be able to enjoy themselves and their life better, whether that be sitting at a desk, being being a nurse or just going out hiking or running or hunting or whatever it is that they're doing uh, to a better level and stay injury free. And so it's not about just like gaining muscle and suffering. And it's like, yeah, some things need to be hard and you need to test yourself and push yourself. But a lot of it is like, if you can focus harder, the first six months of most like physical progression in a gym is all neurological. Like there's very little actual physiological change. It's Mm. about mind muscle connection. So in my mind, it's like, it's mindfulness. Like, the weight needs to be heavy enough so that you're actually focused on it to lift. And as right. long as you're thinking about all those things and addressing those details, then you're going to make increases in strength. And obviously there's all the good chemicals that come from working out and training and stress relief, anxiety relief, depression relief. Like it's a yeah. very healthy thing that we're all sure. fairly disconnected from because we have clean drinking water at our disposal and foods easy to come by. So you don't have to go hunt or gather or do anything that we (laughs) were (laughs) was like, that was how you got your exercise before. And we choose to do these things now is like recreation. And I also remind people that the gym is the most contrived and controlled environment in the world. It's like, we warm up perfectly. We lift the weight. It's all balanced. Like you're more likely to get hurt carrying those seven bags of groceries in like over the curb in front of your house. Yeah. Twisting and turning. Yeah. Holding or you're going to play like ping yeah. pong with your kids and you're going to get hurt. Yeah. Like it's not okay to get hurt in the gym and you need to understand that there are certain levels that you don't need to cross. Yeah. It's not cool getting hurt. It's not cool. Like making weird noises and be aware that like these things are going to happen, but you need to like keep a clear head and take stock and understand where you are. And if it really matters to you, like remember these numbers, see how much you're lifting here. Cause in six weeks, that's going to be 30% more. And yeah, the scale may not change. You're not going to notice anything in the mirror. Your favorite pants might not fit, but you're seeing that you are constantly improving and there's, like actual ways that are quantifiable to see that on an erg, on a bike, on a barbell. And I think that's the thing that those kind of things keep people committed right? and keep people like invested in their own health. And, you know, I've, I've had several clients that I believe are in the gym for the wrong reason and I can't help them with that. And I've asked (laughs) them to leave. Yeah. And it's like, this can't be something that, I'm not going to be a party to your self-inflicted punishment. Right. You need something else in your life to address these things Yeah. because it's just not the right way to do it. Yeah. And I also am very cautious of the folks who place too much faith, um, 
not maybe faith, like credit or uh, hero worship upon me because that's an unhealthy right. like power dynamic. It's like I, sure. I'm just making suggestions. You're the one doing the work. Right. And if you fail, it's on you. If you succeed, it's on you. Yep. It's not me. Right. So, and I think in the same thing in like recovery community sure. or, it's on you. you know, like health professionals, mental health professionals, like I'll, all that mental health professionals I know are very cautious not to take credit right. for the life altering realizations that their patients, clients have like achieved. And I think that's very, very important. And, you know, the, physical fitness community or I call it the dysfunctional fitness community is you know there's a lot of weird factions within that that right place an unhealthy level of you know respect and admiration and fear and like commitment and cult-like behavior and tactics to their yeah. you know to their people right and I don't think that that's right yeah. but no, and I and I again I know that's why I think people love training with you because you're just real. Um, you tell them like it, it is, and you you know. And I love that mentality. I don't take the credit. I don't take the blame. I'll give suggestions. I'll throw some things out to you. I'll guide you a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's on you. Yeah, it's like the same you, thing. You can't work harder than they're working. Exactly, and I love how you tied that in with recovery. It's the same thing. I mean, we can guide, we can we can suggest, we can show a way, but the person has to walk the walk. Yeah, you know, and if they don't, then they don't. It's not on you know, it's on them. Yeah, you know. So I'm glad you kind of tied that in. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing. You know, it's like you see some great changes within people's lives when you know they really start caring about how like they're performing in the gym and how that's affecting their outside and it's great and it isn't always obvious it's like you have yeah. these you have these instances where it's like okay I can run this race and I am not you know the guy's been training with me for 2 years and the year before when he ran this big race like he couldn't walk for two weeks after like he was literally on crutches just because it was so destructive, but he got yeah. stronger in the next year and he was fine and he recovered. Right. He finished a little bit faster, but the fact that he recovered a little bit better and it wasn't as, as destructive for right. him was far better. And you see this, you know, this level of improvement and it's like with the gym training in general, it's like, you know, a lot of it is just injury preve prevention for folks who recreationally or professionally do like active sports. And so it's like the next season, they don't get hurt for the first time. They don't attribute a lot of that credit to the training that they've done in the gym. But that's like one of the greatest things is like prepare yourself for greater loads or greater forces or more stresses on your connective tissue. Right. And in being healthy in that manner just allows you to, experience those things better because exactly. the gym yeah it can be fun and i like it and there's certain things that i like but i also take a lot of time off it's like i'm training maybe one or two days a week most of right. the summer because i like to be outside fishing and camping <clears throat> right it's like there's a balance thing i don't yeah. feel like this impending need like i gotta keep working on this and i yeah. gotta keep doing this it's like i want to do these things there's a season for it and i like spend more time in the gym in the winter than i do in the summer yeah. so that's very, yeah, I think that's a very important thing, that balance piece that you've talked about. Yeah. Um, well, 
so I mean, we could talk for hours because you, yes. I really could, and I love, I love what you're sharing. Is there like, if there's someone out there that's kind of struggling, whether it's addiction or maybe they even have that, like, I don't need help. I have that elitist attitude or, um, what's some advice that maybe you could give or a challenge you could give our listeners that maybe in that kind of boat where kind of where you were Hmm. (laughs) putting you on the spot. I don't know. I would say like the biggest thing that I always tell people is, you know, this whole thought process in recovery, it's, there's a lot of fear around it because of what you're exposed to, who you're exposed to, what you do. Um, and we all have the, I think the thing, the overarching thing with all of us is that there's this low level of self love and self care. So the biggest thing is to not be fearful. I think because fear isn't when you make poor decisions, whether you're be skiing a hard run or you're driving down an icy road, if you're afraid, you don't make good decisions. So like in conjunction with that, I would say that like, instead of thinking about like, this isn't a game of, in order to constantly improve, I'm not second guessing myself. I'm looking at my thoughts objectively and not judging. So it needs to come from a healthy place. Right. And that's what I think allows you to make better decisions is like that objective view of your thoughts. They're not going to change immediately. We have very little control over our reactions to persons, places, and things that revolve around some kind of negative behavior. So it's like, those thoughts are going to come in. Right. Don't be afraid and don't judge yourself. I like objective view, Beautiful. look at it, address why I feel that way. Mm-hmm. How can I improve? Yeah. Because if you're afraid at any of those stages, that's when you need to like, you know, really like reel it back in. Right. And, you know, a little bit less exposure to those kinds of things. But ultimately, if you just get into that cycle of like, I'm not healing, I'm not getting better whatever it is in your right. life it's yeah. like it could be in the gym could be in the boardroom it's like yeah. it's the same stuff it's just like address what it is objectively view like those thoughts those views give yourself the best advice you're your only and best source of you know that kind of i think forward movement and then like keep going no i love it that's great advice um I want to thank you for taking the time, Dylan, sharing your story. Um, it's inspiring to me. I know it's going to be inspiring to others. I've always looked up to you. Um, I really uh, admire the way you live your life. And I love the confidence that you exude, but also I, I, I see the humility as well. I honestly do. And I'm, I'm grateful that you, you've been willing to come share all of this with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Just being being able to talk like this stuff is how it yeah. all continues to improve because then you just your brain keeps going down those healthy avenues right and keeping it fresh in your mind and like uh, that's how we're all just still learning and i think that it's just it's an extremely beneficial experience that i've had right and it's like i wish more people could have it yeah without like any negative consequence (laughs) or confrontation sure but yeah absolutely great to great to be here and yeah yeah, we could do this for I know. We'll do hours. it again. We'll do it again. Well, thank you so much, Dylan. And and there you go, listeners. Another amazing story from another amazing person. Um, thank you for listening. Please share this with you know, people that you know that uh, 
need help or want to be inspired or they just you know just want to be uplifted thank you for your support again veracity networks thank you so much and thank you listeners what a great day and dylan once again grateful we're friends brother absolutely thanks again all right till next time